Welcome back to the Brains for Gains podcast. Uh, today, uh, my co-host is David Abernathy. Um, introduce yourself a little bit, David. I'm David know? Abernathy, uh, Chief Operations Officer of Total Strength and Speed, William Strength and Scenario Bar Sports, uh, Master Strength Coach, uh, 20 years co- uh, college coaching, and uh, excited to be here today to talk about Tsunami and Parisi Speed School. Mm-hmm. And our guest today is Chad Coy. Uh, I've been with him. Preci Speed School franchise since uh, 2006. I'm a master coach since 2014, and a corporate educator for for the for the network. Okay, why don't you tell me a little bit about Parisi Speed School? Uh, Parisi is a youth performance based company. Um, we train kids between the ages of seven and eighteen, really teaching them the proper movement mechanics for linear speed acceleration, top speed mechanics, and multi-directional speed, as well as strength training. Mm-hmm. Now, I know we kind of were off camera when we were talking about this, but you were talking about the culture of Parisi Speed School. What is the difference in the culture of Parisi Speed School versus any other institution? Well, number one, it becomes, well, really, I would have to say it's the Parisi School of Self-Confidence and Self-Esteem. That's what we teach. Mm -hmm. We just use sports performance training to elicit those responses. So, you know, when you start training a kid and they start feeling better about themselves, they're more confident, they have better self-esteem, and they're going to perform better on the, as an athlete. Um, but we just teach the basic mechanics of how to move. So we're not making it sports-specific, even though we can. If we're training a baseball team, we can focus it towards baseball. Right. But all the athletes we bring them in, how do we, from the basic beginning of how do we warm them up, how do we then teach them? You know, so we have a, a process that we teach everything that we do. So would you guys say that your training is more generalized first before specialized? Always generalize before specialized. I'm not a baseball coach. I'm not a football coach. I'm not a track coach. Mm-hmm. We're going to lay the foundation. We're a foundationally based company. So if I can make your athlete less likely to get hurt and perform better, that's my job. Okay. Um, as far as like, and let's go back to kind of the culture part of it, right? You were talking about building more confidence within like your students, correct? Um, what do you take, what steps do you take to kind of get that, uh, more in your students? Well, really every athlete, you got to meet them where they're at, you know, so you don't really know where they're at. So they come in, you don't know what kind of day they've had. You don't know what home life they've had. You know, it really starts with just believing in a kid, greeting a kid, teaching a child how to shake hands, make eye contact, you know, and then just building them up, edifying them throughout the process of training, you know, giving them them small successes letting them lose and telling them that losing is okay. Mm-hmm. You know what? You Sometimes you get beat and it's not the end of the world. You know, so, I mean, the world around us is like believing in participation ribbons. I don't believe in participation ribbons. Mm-hmm. I don't think that anyone in the network does. I think we need to teach kids how to become a champion. And a winner and a champion don't always mean they're the same thing. I can win and not be a champion. I can be a champion and not win. It's the changing of that mental aspect and what I look at is where are these kids going to be in 20 years when their athletic career is over? Right. You know, so right. we want to instill in them respect, coachability, work ethic, and effort. Mm-hmm. That's our four pillars. You know what? Name, name a kid that, you know, that's respectful, coachable, has work ethic and effort. As a coach, I want that kid. Give me 11 of those kids and I'll win a football game. You know what? But I'll tell you what. Give me a kid that doesn't have that. Or you see the talented kid that's not respectful or doesn't want to work hard. Yeah. What do we do with those kids? Now, we have to meet all those kids where they're at and teach them those skill sets that will make them successful in life, not just athletics. Yeah. I feel like that's an archetype of a good coach, right? Like a lot of the times people ask, like, what is the value of an athletics-based program? And it's not just winning. It's a lot of the times it builds character. And it's no surprise that uh, a lot of the sales companies and stuff that hire people, they want to hire somebody who has some type of sports background because there's leadership qualities there that they learn from good coaches, as well as, you know, being able to work within a team. 
There was this uh, a statistic that I read a long time ago, and I think it was in U.S. News and World Report. Seventy-eight percent of the time, athletes are higher. Mm-hmm. Why? They already understand work ethic. They already understand sacrifice. They already understand the team. You know what? So if I'm going to bring someone in, and I've got an athlete, and I've got a non-athlete, and they're exactly the same on a resume, and I interview them for the life for the last thirty years, I've been hiring people. I've hired athletes every time. I've never been disappointed. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that there's something in athletics that teaches us that is not taught in school it is not taught in society yeah and you know i think learning to lose i hate to lose i mean there's nothing i hate worse i hate to lose Mm -hmm. i hate losing more than i love winning but i'll tell you what learning how to lose if i can't lose a game how can i lose a loved one yeah or or you know weaponizing your losses right that's really what it is it's 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 looking at a loss and understanding that you have to learn from that to be better right and I feel like uh, the saying I've always used is, um, you know, humble excellence, right? The idea is you want to make sure that you're open enough to be able to be open with conversation and things like that, but you still want to win. You know, you still want to be the best. And again, you talked about that a little bit before about, you know, kind of picking apart failure and learning from that. What do you guys do that's different when it comes to that? Well, number one, I think the athlete has to realize what did they do wrong? We'll, we'll teach kids to compete and there's the champion. There's the person who won. And then, you know, I might come back and say, you know, Dave, what did you do and why didn't you win? And then you come back with a response. So if the athlete can then diagnose what they did, I mean, most people want to point a finger. I always laugh. You're pointing the finger at someone else. There's three pointing back at you. So what did you do? How can you hold yourself accountable? How can you improve your performance to help not only yourself, but also your team. Yeah. And in a strange way, um, you know, David, you've done that before too, where you kind of teach us from a coaching perspective, which then makes us into a better coach for teammates that are under us as well. Right. You guys seem to do something similar to that. Correct. Yeah. It's always about, you have to look at if you're part of a team, well, I was still last. There's, there's no a hole in team, except, you know, I can't remember how it goes. There's no, uh, <laughs> There's no I in team except in the a-hole. Right, right, right. There you go. I knew what I was trying to say. Yeah. Um, you know, but so you got to put yourself kind of behind mm-hmm. the team. And, you know, whether it's one of my coaches, it's always a team-first effort. And, you know, whether it's one of our kids, we want a team-first effort. Right. You know, now, granted, we have kids from multiple sports, boys and girls, different ages. But we have to teach them, how do I support someone else? How do I build someone else up? You know, I love it when my kids, you know, Someone doesn't do well in there. Some one of my other kids are pat on the back. Man, it's okay. We'll get it next time. Yeah, you know, and they're helping learn to coach each other up. I mean, that's what we've lost in the society. I think we look at people aren't nice. You know, be nice, mm-hmm. build people up. The world sucks, man. It's going to knock you down enough. But like when we're together, we need to build each other up, and that's what our kids do, and that's what our coaches do. I mean, hell, I don't even need people be, people to be nice, but it's nice to rally around somebody who is doing great, right? Like, and I feel like that's gone too. Like some of the best rooms that we saw when it came to like at the high school level, they had that type of auto regulation where anytime somebody was getting a new max or a new PR, they would just kind of gather around them and support them, right? Don't wish for your teammates failure, like help them to succeed. Right. I mean, I'm sure you have tons of stories when it comes to that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. I want to go back and hit on what you hit on earlier. Yeah. Uh, that you said that sometimes we mistake winning championships that we've made champions and we haven't. I like that's the fact that you said we make champions, you know, and that's what I'm trying to find for my son. You know, I know we, we could possibly win a championship, 
but I want him to be trained to be a champion, not only right. on the field, but in life. Mm-hmm. Yes. Know, how to be a champion in life. And, and that's what I took the most of. And I, I like what you said a minute ago about Parisi Speed School is that they, they're not worried. They want to win championships. We all want to win championships, but we got to build a champion first. Yeah, it's difficult to it, – it, it's easy to get lost in the minutia of, you know, maxes and stuff like that. And you really forget that in the end of the day, you're sculpting young people to be adults, right? Like that's the hardest part, I think, of coaching is that I think – I mean, I think you said it too. Um, a good coach is like a good father or, or a parental figure because a lot of the times these kids don't have that too, right? Like they come from a background where they might not have a leader within their life. So to just have one in a specific moment like that, I mean, it means the world to them. That's why doing big installations and stuff. I know a lot of people criticize that because they are thinking, Hey, it would be better if they spent the money on books and stuff like that. But look back at the education that we have now. And it seems like it's education that's failing more. Well, let me rephrase. It seems like more book-based education and more classroom-based education is failing while performance education and all that that encompasses seems to be succeeding. I, I, no, yeah. Our educational system has a lot of issues. And I think a lot of it comes down to, we've, you know what, we, we've, oh, we've got to do with PE. You know, mm-hmm. but God, we got to have Mozart. We right. got listen. We have music, and we have to have art. Right. No one's dying from not knowing who Mozart or Monet is. Right? Okay, they're dying because they have cardiovascular disease. Mm-hmm. You know, we're raising a whole generation of kids that are unhealthy. Yeah, and we're doing that because what we took that out because they need they need all this culture. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, I don't think we do. I think we need to get kids out playing. We need to get kids out having fun. They need to go out and be physically active. We need to teach them about proper nutrition. Right. You know, we look at those skill sets, those skill sets, what's the United States is going to spend over half a trillion dollars fighting the war on obesity. Okay. Newsflash here, guys. I opened my first gym in 1995. We spent $300 billion fighting the war on obesity. We're over or $180 billion on fighting the war on obesity. In 2010, it was 300 billion. Now it's over half a trillion dollars. Mm-hmm. We're losing Okay, in 1982, the average American boy could do nine chin-ups. The average American girl could do three. Today, the average American boy can do three. The average American girl can do zero. Okay, why is that? We need to fix that. And I look at what does Parisi do? You know what? Here's the deal. Your kid might not make the team. There's no one sitting on the bench at Parisi. Right. Okay, and you're not going to learn those. You know, where are the cool lessons at? You know, when, when dad comes out and he coaches the Little League team and so makes sure little Johnny can be the pitcher. Mm-hmm. Okay, when the dad gets out of the dugout, where are those kids? You know, and then where are all the great coaches? Where are they at? They're generally at a higher level. So they're gonna, those kids are going to learn those attributes and things that they should be learning from a coach. I'm sorry. I've had a lot of great teachers, and I'm very grateful for some of my great teachers. But I'll tell you what. If you want to say who made the biggest impact on me, it was my coaches. Yeah. A, one coach can impact a, li- a lifetime. A lifetime. You know what? I remember I've called my coach from high school, uh, Mark Hollingsworth. His name's, nickname's Holly. I remember when the first time we were talking about this, like, you know, I called him and said, thank you. And whenever I do a training, like, who's the coach that made the biggest difference in your life? Mm -hmm. You know, give him a call. You know what? Coaches need to add a boy too. You know, if you call him and say, you know what? Hey coach, you know what? I just want you to know, I really appreciate what you did. Mm -hmm. You know, in the last 30 years, you know how many kids have called me or sent me a letter saying, you know, the things I learned from you made a difference in my life. And, you know, if every coach came to work every day, knowing we can make a difference in someone's life for their entire life, that didn't not only just impacts them, but other people. That's what makes me come to work every day. That's what makes the Parisi program work. That's what makes those coaches so great because we want to see that. 
You don't want, and it's, it's every day and it's every kid that we see, we need to make an impact. You know, when I think if we look at that, why am I passionate about it? Because I see so many kids out there that are lost. They're lost and they're not going where they want to go. They're not living the dreams they want. Hey, I want to be a college football player. Okay. What can you do to get there? You know, if someone lays out a plan, mm-hmm. Hey, you come in here, we evaluate, we see where you're at. Here's the numbers we're going to need. We can get you there. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, and that's our job. That's our job. Along the way, they're going to learn a lot of cool stuff. You know what? I think the thing that's cool, and I talked to Rob about this yesterday, I've got 14 former coaches, four of those being athletes, that own their own facility now. They're doing exactly what I did. You know what, Coach, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for you. So why do I get up and go to work every day? Which one of those next kids is going to be the next one? Which one of those kids is going to be the one that makes the biggest difference? Which one of those kids is going to turn the tide of this battle against obesity and go back the other way? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, in this country, the kids that are growing up now, they're born after the year 2000, will have 10 years taken off their lifespan because of their lifestyles. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's why I'm passionate. That's why I go to work every day. And if I can teach a kid that not just to be performance, yeah, you won. I want to teach them life skills that will take them the rest of their life that will become functional members of our society. That's what gets me up every day. And that's what I think makes Parisi different than our competitors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I call that kind of like rallying your outlook, right? Like the idea is as you keep touching other people and making their outlook better, making it more structured, they in, in turn kind of multiply that out, you know? And I mean, it's great to see that that's what Parisi speed school is all about. You know, um, I think a lot of the schools that we work with, they're kind of at their core kind of built that way. Right. And, you know, we can talk more about the technical side of stuff, but I feel like that's that's a pretty good summation of Parisi Speed School. You know, uh, I'm sure Bill could add more stuff to it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that's that's my take. On it. Yeah, that's my take it for the last, you know, I mean, I've been with the company now. 16 years, yeah. 16 years with the company. It's like, you know, I, I just love it. It's, it's my, it's my family. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got my family. I've got my Parisi family. I've got my coaches at home, you know, so my coaching staff at Como, that's my, that's, that's my, those, those are my, I guess I'm their gym dad. Well, where are, where are all Parisi schools at? I mean, where, where yeah. is it encompass the United States? I mean, where, where are you there, guys we're, located? We're all over the world, but predominantly in the United States. Uh, China has a lot. I actually, uh, 2019, I went to China. I was the first corporate educator to go to China. Um, I certified a couple, probably about two dozen coaches while I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really cool over there. They've really just taken all, all hands on deck for that. Um, there's some in Europe, some in, in the Middle East. Uh, but predominantly United States and more East Coast. You know, the company is based out of New Jersey. Yeah. Bill started out of New Jersey, so the, a lot of the bigger clubs are on that side of the country. Um, some some out in the, on the West Coast, in Colorado, Texas, you know. But the, the, the nice thing about the license now, it's a little different. When I came in, it was a franchise. Now it's a license and an affiliate, so more people can get involved. It doesn't cost as much money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so – we could export the education. So I think one thing that kind of drove me back shit crazy over the years was the fact that we watch all these other guys bringing out these programs like, Hey guys, we were the original. We started in 1992. <laughs> you know what? We've put more people in the NFL com- at the NFL combine and NFL than anybody else combined. Okay. So when you look at everyone else, now we've been doing it longer. So we've just kind of kept that, the training and the technology of what we've done to ourselves up until this point. Now we're looking at like, look at independent coaches, mm-hmm. You know, so if you're a high school coach, you want to learn about speed development. 
why are you calling anyone but the best person about speed development? And that's us. Right. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a bad, I'm not bashful about it. We are better than everyone else. Why? Cause we've done it longer. Mm-hmm. We're a 30 year old company. This is the 30 year re, uh, anniversary of the company starting. And it, it's, it's pretty awesome what we do. Well, not to mention also, I mean, you are still actively trying to stay within the cutting edge. Like for example, I mean, you're here specifically to look at the tsunami bar equipment. And uh, I feel like, you know, it's, it's funny because I always bring it back to like what I know. When does a restaurant start to stagnate when they don't change their menu up, right? When they don't add new things or experiment. So what has that been like for you? I think when you stop trying to gain more knowledge is when the game's over. Right. And I think just today, I mean, like I, I, I mean, I got a, a bar last June Yeah, and I've been training with it and I've been using it. And just today, just spending the, the morning with, with Dave, it's like, oh my God. The amount I've learned today, it's like, it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. And I look as a coach, like I never want to quit learning. So I want to learn from the best and, you know, coming down here, actually seeing it, seeing the bar, getting to use, you know, getting to understand how to use the speed and the force and the max bar and the other tools, you know, the battle sticks. I mean, I can't wait till those come up. Those are going to be a great tool for warm ups. Cool. I mean, for finishers, I mean, it's just a great, it could be a filler. I mean, there's just so much so much more that I think that you can do. Mm-hmm. And I think it becomes a base. It could become a very basic tool or it could be a very advanced tool. Yeah. But very rarely can I take a screwdriver and I can do a lot of different jobs. This bar, I can do so much with this bar that we can't do with a regular bar. I mean, just li- understanding like from our standpoint, how muscles co contract the oscillation, the amplitude of using the tsunami bar and how just forcing the core to work forcing the fascia to remodel itself. It's very exciting to see how far this can go. Um, Bill's always on the cutting edge. Bill's always looking for different tools that are going to make us better. Blaze pod, you know, uh, Vipers, you know, the aqua bags, all those are great tools. I look at this one like, wow, this one kind of trumps them all. And so I'm so excited to have, you know, Dave up to the summit in, in here in a couple of weeks you know, he's going to present to the summit. You know, I get to present about oscillatory strength. Um, I'm so excited just to put a new tool in people's hands and it's going to be awesome. I, I don't know. I kind of talked about it. I'm trying to get yeah. all my friends. Hey, you need to get one of these bars. You know, you should get one of these bars. You should try this because if I can use a lighter load, increase velocity, bar speed, you know, crank out that, you know, like we were talking earlier, that impulse, that, that impulse force and that re- reversal strength, getting the foot on the ground and off the ground, you know, if I can do that with another tool, why would I not have it in my toolbox? Yeah. And so. it's funny because we were talking about co-contractions, right? And I feel like the one major contraction you see a lot that's really dangerous is direction change, right? Like when, yeah. when, when somebody decides to change the direction of where they're moving and to explode out that way, that's where a lot of hamstring tears and stuff like that occur. So I feel like. Well, a lot of that's improper mechanics, which we, we kind of address that now, but right. when you go back to strength training, how could I use this oscillatory strength by increasing, if you look at multi-directional speed, really it's a, it's, it's all about the core. Right. So if I'm using this tsunami bar regularly, my core strength is so much better. I'm going to manage my ma- center of mass. I'm going to manage my core so much better during multi-directional speed mm-hmm. and change of direction. Yeah. If I can do that, I'm going to reduce the amount of injuries I'm going to have and increase my performance. At the end of the day, if you're a good strength and conditioning coach, there's only three reasons why we train. We want to, decrease the potential for injury or make your athlete re- injury resilient. Mm-hmm. We're going to increase performance. We're going to build up their self-confidence and self-esteem. That's what we do. That's what we do every day. And I think this tool is, is another great tool in the toolbox. And I, I can't wait till the network actually starts incorporating across the board. Yeah. 
this is kind of a question for me because I'm actually just genuinely curious. But when you went to China, um, what is the is there a difference in training as far as the optics is concerned on what they do? Because I feel like a lot of the international members that are interested in Tsunami Bar, they're in the mindset of anything that increases performance they want. But a lot of the times here, there's a lot of uh, of bodybuilding and powerlifting mentality that stops people from having, you know, their eyes a little bit more open when it comes to the Tsunami Bar. Well, uh, that's kind of a two-part answer. Um and my Chinese friends forgive me, but their training is kind of backwards. It is. They don't have a lot of training when they, they don't get really training until they get to that national level. Okay. Okay. So locally they don't get a lot of training. So I think when I got there, it's like, you know, I'm thinking, man, this is, this is China, man. They're, they're, they kick ass at the Olympics. Yeah. They're doing really good. Yeah. They only get that when they get to that national level at the local levels, the training is nominal. You know, so when we get there, it's like I'm teaching the same stuff we teach every day. It's like they're these coaches are eating it up. This is incredible. Uh-huh. Like we didn't see this until I went to the Olympic Training Center. Okay, so we're, what we deliver here in the United States at the high school level, which is this really, it's not really at the at the elementary, middle school, and high school. They don't see that till they get to to an international caliber athlete. Okay, so but they've got such a pool of athletes that you're like, wow, you know what? So they've got all these great athletes. What if we? Tra- Here's the crazy thing. When they start, if they implement it across the board and they actually trained right, which they will, mm-hmm. while we're getting, you know, eating Cheetos and playing more video games, their kids are training. You know, they're going to create incredible athletes. Yeah. I mean, just absolutely incredible athletes. What's interesting is that, um, you know, during, and I, and I studied this a little bit, during like the Cold War era when Russia was starting to kind of get into the Olympics, uh, it was interesting to see, first of all, all their athletes. They were all the almost exactly the same height almost exactly the same um, like metrics, right? There, it, was, it was the same across the board. And what was strange was watching this black and white film and seeing them do generalized training right. more than any kind of specialized training. So right. a lot of them are doing stall bars. A lot of them are doing gymnastics. Right. A lot of them are doing moment, you know, movement plyometric work. Right. And it's weird to see that and then them specializing into uh, like weightlifting or something well, like that it, later down the line. If, if we throw a thousand kids into the meat rider, and 10 come out. Yeah. But we do that at 100 different schools. Okay. Now we've got 10,000 of the best athletes in the country. Now we train those again and again and again. And you've got them lined up. We can do that day after day after day. That's what that's what a totalitarian dictatorship will give you. Right. Here in the United States, who's who's gravitating to being better athletes? Okay. So fortunately, we still, we have better training systems. We have better training modalities. You know what? The minute that they fix that, it's going to be game over. I, mean, I hate to say that I'm an American, but the truth of the matter is like, you know, we've become soft and decadent. And I used to make me very angry because I compete internationally as a strong man. When people would say that, it's like, you know, and you come home, like it is true. You know, people were, this, this country has gotten soft. I mean, even excluding all that, it's just being able to have the time to focus on that one thing. I mean, most kids don't have that, right? Most kids right. have to balance school life. Right. athletics and all that well there stuff. once you have an aptitude of x y or z that's where you're going. that's where you're going immediately you know, you're a good athlete we're going to train you as an athlete mm-hmm. um michael who is the um who runs all of the chinese parises incredible athlete an olympic caliber athlete you know and got his master's degree in exercise science i mean he's just a brilliant dude an incredible athlete in and of itself and then became an international judge for wrestling so he's just a great dude mm-hmm. um but they're, they're, it's just a totally different, it's a totally different culture than it is here. Yeah. 
Yeah. Totally different. And I, honestly, I think there's other guys you need to get on the phone. Get, you know, Eric Mitchell telling stories. There's yeah. No one tells better stories than that guy. Like, you, you know, I remember the first time, the first time I went to him, listened to him, and he's doing this, he's doing this talk. And he usually, he talks like NFL guys. Like, you know, I'm sitting there like, I'm chomping. I want to just run through the wall. Yeah. Like, I'm just sitting here. I'm like, I got to get up and move. Because it's <laughs> like, he tells these stories just to inspire kids to work hard. Yeah. You know, Bill does the same thing. I think Steve Leo would be a great one for the high school level. Because he he's our head educator, but he's also the head strength coach at a high school that he works with all athletes. Right. It's a private it's a private institution. So, mm-hmm. he would be good. John Cirillo would be awesome, you know. Um you know, there's, get, I mean, obviously you got to get Bill on the phone. Yeah. I mean, I'm just excited to kind of, you said he's, he has a way with narrative. I'm, I'm curious to see. Bill, Bill is, <laughs> you know, Bill is wildly intelligent. Yeah. Um, you got to think, I mean, this is a guy who's a two-time All-American javelin talk. Mm-hmm. Okay. But has a degree in finance. Okay. Did an internship on Wall Street. I mean, if I, I could tell you some crazy stuff that he's done to get to where he's at today. It's like insane. Yeah. Like, you know, so it's just one, I think, I, but I'll let him tell him because he's going to tell his story. Well, I, I find that kind of funny because that is a misnomer, right? Because a lot of people have this assumption that if you, if you, if you focus on athletics and generally there's not like a mental side to it either. But what I've found is that almost anybody who focuses on something like an athletics usually are also pretty intelligent as well. He's and probably, vice versa. Probably one of the more intelligent guys I've ever met, you know, as far as you know, business savvy, understanding you know, he wanted to learn more about fascia. He's done a deep dive into fascia, you know, and then, you know, he's gotten back out and speaking, really just driving our brand forward. Yeah. Um, I think the human kinetics book of anatomy for, anatomy for speed is probably one of the best books I've ever read on development of speed put into terms that the average Joe can understand. Yeah. You know, it, again, passion usually always trumps genius. Right. And the reality is, is that if you are passionate about something, then you do end up becoming intelligent in it. Well, I think the craziest thing, he's passionate, but he's he's collected all the genius. So oh, right, right. In his in his cabinet. In his right? cabinet. Yeah. I mean, if you look at who who's who's standing by him helping him, yeah. those are the geniuses. And he's just able to take their information that most of the rest of us couldn't understand in the first place and and, and condense it into a form that we can understand. 